Welcome to the Explorer's Roundtable, where intrepid voyagers share tales of discovery and adventure and engage with scholars in discussions relevant to the science, history and literature of exploration. Here's your host for the evening, Jonathan Hal Reynolds. Good evening. Tonight at the Roundtable, we have explorer Brandon Bargo, who is the host, writer, and executive producer of the High Pointers TV show, which is currently airing on Amazon Prime and PBS. Brandon, thank you for coming to chat with us at the Roundtable tonight. It's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for having me. Would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of the show and what inspired you with the idea? So the concept of the show is my brother and I, we always start out, whatever state we're in, we start out in the big city. And we go do something cultural, something interesting, go to a museum, and then we make our way to the high point, and we always have a food stop. And then we always have a competition. Uh, my brother and I are super competitive, naturally, uh, and, and been athletes our whole lives competing. And so we always throw in kind of some brotherly competition and then some other type of adventure in the state that looks fun. And then we finish off climbing the high point, and we always have a local guest that joins us. And our guests are some of the most amazing people. Uh, we've had astronauts and Navy SEALs and CEO of Tabasco, and they're always from that state. And it just gives us a little local flavor. Uh, they can give us more background, you know, so we're not just these know-it-all guys who come into a state and say, hey, here's what you need to do. It's like, hey, what have you guys uh, been doing your whole life in this state? And maybe they can give us a little flavor. Did you and Greg grow up in an outdoorsy family? Was was this something when you were playing in the yard as kids that you ever dreamed you might do together when you grew up? Well, uh, the, the short answer is no. <laughs> we did not grow up in an outdoorsy family. I mean, the progression was, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my dad was like, you know, businessman, wearing a suit, uh, you know, not into the outdoors at all. I would say probably my mom, you know, she was a stay at home mom. She didn't really like uh, try to push us to go, you know, into the outdoors. So it's really interesting. Mm. I remember probably where it started for me as a young kid. My dad was always busy working. And uh, one time he got this guy in his office who was a really young guy just out of college who loved fishing and hunting. And my dad was like, hey, why don't you go take Brandon? uh, fishing with you. And I mean, I was, you know, I was young, eight, nine years old. And, uh, and I fell in love with it. I loved fishing and that was all I thought about was fishing. And then he started taking me hunting. And then I realized, you know, I don't really, it's not the fishing or the hunting it's being outside that I really like. And so I slowly just started learning and accumulating all of this outdoor knowledge and it just kept progressing. Did you have any other major influences or moments of epiphany along your journey? So my grandfather, he was a missionary in Mexico. And, and so I used to go on trips with him into the middle of the jungles, like down, you know, closer to Guatemala and like Chiapas and all these, uh, uh, you know, remote regions. Wow. And it was the same thing. Like I wanted to go on trips with him uh, just so I could be outside. So what he would do is, he would go, you know, back to the city or whatever. And I would say, Hey, can I stay with the villagers? <laughs> He's like, sure. You know? So he would leave me out there with them. And, uh, I mean, we're talking really remote and, uh, you know, no showers, nothing like that. And I loved it. I would go climbing with them and jump in the you know rivers that I'm sure were probably not the best to be swimming in. And I just loved being outside and, 
And I remember one time just looking at a mountain like, man, I want to climb that mountain so bad, you know? And, uh, and so I started slowly going out and climbing, but found myself in dangerous situations, not knowing exactly what I was doing and having more, you know, ambition and, and daring to, to do it, but not necessarily the skills. And so I uh, went and joined uh, the National Outdoor Leadership School, Knowles. And so I, I, I specifically took a mountaineering course and it was in the North Cascades of Washington. And so after that, it progressed even more because it's like, okay, now I have the skills to go climb and now I can do that. And so as I was kind of learning and building, I started reading more and more books. And I remember in my Knowles course, I was like, I want to, you know, they, the instructors are like, what do you want to do after graduating? And I was like, I want to climb every mountain, <laughs> you know, all the big ones. And uh, other people were just like joining the course. They're like, I'm lucky, you know, if I go climb Mount Hood or Mount Rainier. And I was like, why well, think so small? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I, so I started reading about all these different people and I got really interested in Mallory and Irvin, the first guys to go out and climb Everest in, in mm. the 20s and really started reading up on Mallory and Irvin. I started reading lots of books on, on survival and, uh, and really just started getting a wide knowledge of, of the outdoors and adventure and survival and all these kinds of things. One thing I loved about the show was using the high point adventure in each state as an opportunity to explore the history, culture, and people of each locale that you were visiting. You and Greg went to museums, monuments, bed and breakfast, what was your planning process like? Did you two work together on every aspect of planning or did you split up the responsibilities of packing, conducting research and booking guests? So on the show, you know, I'm, I kind of consider myself like the, the big picture guy, the expedition leader, and then he's the logistics coordinator. And it kind of breaks down, you know, in real life uh, that way as well. So like I come up usually with the concepts and the segments that we're going to do. Um, we'll do a little back and forth, but usually I, I, I've been spending, you know, hours and hours researching the things that I want to do, the types of things I want to do. And then I'll, I'll get my brother to start, you know, getting the permits. So we really are kind of a one-stop shop. Like we do a lot of the uh, pre-production, he and I, um, which is why it's another reason why we ended up wanting to film on PBS and Amazon Prime, because we own all our own content. We make all the uh, decisions. There's no big, you know, uh, Hollywood producer or anything telling us what to do. And that's how we like it. You know, uh, having worked with discovery and those kinds of guys and, you know, seeing what they might, you know, do, they, they, they take an idea and they change it completely. And so, yeah, we do, we do pretty much all the pre-production and then Greg does a lot of the, the detailed planning. And I kind of do a lot of the more broad big picture type of things. You had some incredibly fascinating guests on the show. Everyone from Tom Pollard, who was on the expedition that found the body of George Mallory on Everest back in 1999, to astronaut Scott Perezinski, who is the only person who's ever hiked to the top of Mount Everest and also gone out into space. It seemed like you and Greg learned a lot from your guests. Is there anything in particular that you've thought back on since you filmed the show? Some moment on a hike or a piece of knowledge or wisdom they left with you? One in particular was with Don Mann. So Don, not only is he a former Navy SEAL from SEAL Team 6, but he was a SEAL Team 6 instructor who um, taught many of the guys who ended up taking out bin Laden. So, I mean, he's, 
he is a legend among Navy SEALs uh, and has done, not only has he done all the things in the Navy SEAL side, but he's created some of the toughest, longest, hardest endurance races on the planet. And then he competes in them, you know? So, I mean, the guy is just stinking tough. And so I, I really wanted to ask him, um, well, Greg and I both asked him kind of like what, you know, what it looks like to have life balance. And I just remember, you know, what that looks like. And, uh, and, you know, it was the one thing that stood out to me where he's like, you know, I try to find the line and he was talking more physically because his body had kind of fallen apart on him after training like crazy. And he's like, I try to find the line, whatever that line is. And then I just come down from it, you know, uh, because Greg and I often are just pushing, pushing, pushing physically, mentally, you know, in so many different aspects. And it's like, how do we not just go over the line and just break down physically and mentally, you know, and then him just sharing all the, the experiences that he's had, how he's been able to, to really find that line and then just kind of come down off of it. So you don't, you don't do long-term damage to yourself. And uh, I thought that was uh, for us, that was pretty uh, impactful moment. I think the most touching moment in the entire series was when you were talking with Marshall Ulrich about the loss of your sister and he was sharing some of his personal grief as well. And there was just a moment of authenticity between you two experiencing the outdoors or going on a journey with a stranger, even a Navy SEAL, like in your first episode often breaks down those barriers we have in everyday society. I'm curious, did you personally feel like you formed a bond with your guests by the time each episode was finished filming? Yeah. I, you know, every, every guest that we have, not only do I feel like we have a connection after climbing, cause that's just what hiking and climbing does. And that's what I love about it is it does create these connections, but yeah, after every um, episode that we film with the guests, like I'm, I stay in contact with them, email them, you know, and I always say like, Hey, if you ever have an adventure, you're going to go on, let me know, you know, or let us know. Um, but yeah, I, I like, you know, Marshall Ulrich is the one that you're talking about. He's run across the U.S. and he's, yeah. he's a uh, legend in the ultra marathon world and adventure racing world. And um, he was probably, to me, the most intimidating because to me, it's like he's like a celebrity in the in the ultra and the endurance world. And um, yeah, you know, I he was like, Hey man, you know, if you're ever in Colorado, I have a house out on a ranch. And if you want, you want to bring your wife out here, I was like, you know, and when people say that, I always take them up on it. I never just say like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. Never do it. I always take people up on it. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, everybody's, their, their personalities are so unique. Like Marshall is very much an introvert, kind of quiet guy, very introspective, but you, you learn about his history and he's had some, you know, traumatic experiences. And when you talked about, you know, we connected, we didn't even go into it because I knew he probably like I didn't want to push him too much. But his wife died when he was 30 and that put him on the path to running long distance, kind of like the, the real Forrest Gump, you know, where he just goes on this path. I kept of, thinking of Forrest Gump when Marshall was on the show. Yeah, like he just ran and never stopped. Hmm. And it was all because he the love of his life, you know, she died um, at such a young age and um, he didn't know how to how to cope with it, what to do. And and so I was just trying to like, you know connect with him. My sister, when we filmed that, my sister had just passed away, mm. you know, really close with my brother. I really close with my sister and she was young when she died. And it was, yeah, it was kind of this raw moment where I was like, I don't know if I even want to talk about it, you know? Um, but it's like, that's what you do on mountains. So we should try to 
<laughs> capture that, you know. Did your entire crew go with you up each mountain? So I remember when we were first filming our first episode, a lot of our camera guys and people like that are are pretty big time. They film for Discovery and History Channel, you know, yeah. a lot of big credentials. And so I remember the first time we were starting to hike this thing, the guy looks at me, he's like, man, we're actually climbing the mountain. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, I've been on so many shows. He's like, all of this stuff is just staged and it's fake. I'm like, cause we were about to, you know, do eight and a half miles and it was 4,000 feet of climbing. And he's like, yeah. whoa, like this is hard. You know, and uh, I was like, no man, we're really doing this. One thing I really appreciated was that in many of the episodes you touched on the seven leave no trace principles, which are really important for hikers of all levels to be constantly mindful of. Would you mind recapping those seven principles here for our listeners? So it's uh, plan ahead and prepare, which we actually talk about quite a bit in the show. Uh, we have a whole segment just, you know, saying what we need and it's the shun list and we go through our shun list of what the what's, what are the things that you need. So that's plan ahead and prepare. Travel and camp on uh, durable surfaces. That so just means, you know, if there's a trail, stay on it. Uh, try not to create more erosion. Um, dispose of waste properly. Uh, you know, just making sure you don't have trash. Um, uh, leave what you find. So we always say uh, take only pictures, leave only footprints. And uh, minimize campfire impacts. It's the number five, six is respecting wildlife. That was always a big one with the kids, not throwing rocks at animals. And, uh, and then being considerate of others is number seven. And that's always a big one. I'm always, when I, I'm always super, um, you know, just looking around and seeing who's around. I always try to be really quiet when I'm hiking. It's just more fun for me just to listen to the animals. And so whenever I see big groups, I just, it's, it's always like, oh man, you know, yelling, yeah, yelling and screaming. I mean, I know people enjoy it, but I, I'm just always trying to pay attention like being considerate of others because people go outside to get away from it. And so I, I try to make sure that, you know, yeah. they have a good experience. So those are the seven. Greg said something in the Virginia episode that I think is immensely important for hikers of all levels. He said, we never want to underestimate any mountain. We want to always be prepared. I hear stories far too often about hikers who are unprepared and the story often doesn't end well. What are some of the essentials that you would recommend to our listeners to always take with them on a day hike or an overnight hike? Yeah. You know, and, and the reason he said that and, and the reason we're so, uh, you know, focused on making sure that you are prepared. That's the number one principle, right. Of the seven is we've been in some really, um, dangerous and scary situations that we've had several times where we've, you know, uh, been near death, uh, on Denali, we had to dig a snow cave and, uh, we climbed Mount Kenya one time and, you know, we're hypothermic hanging off a cliff. And so we've had some really, you, you have a few of those moments. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, I went, I went to be outside to have fun. And now like this, this thing's gotten bad really quickly. Um, and so we always, uh, for that reason, like we always carry a headlamp because you're like, oh, well, you know, it's daylight and the sun's out, but you never know if you get lost, you're stranded or, or let's say you're hiking and, you know, you think it's going to take you two hours and it takes you six hours. So I always bring a headlamp, um, usually bring a small med kit of some kind. Uh, my wife and I went and climbed the high point of Australia, which is only this little jaunt up a, a little mountain, 7,000 feet. 
and she, uh, I won't go into detail, but she ripped her kneecap open and it was nasty. I mean, you could see, you could see the bone of her kneecap. It was, uh, it's terrible. And here we were, we're like, this is an easy, easy mountain. And then that happens. So you got to be prepared for those, those moments. Um, so small med kit, headlamp, and then use, you know, of course, just snacks, bring like some cliff bars or some bars, um, bring, uh, and bring some water, you know, um, and, and I'll, and it's always in a small pack. So, um, great advice. Yeah. You and Greg are passionate about helping people achieve their high pointer goals. If someone listening wanted to talk with you about attempting a high pointer journey, where's the best place for them to get in touch or go online? Yeah. So we're really trying to make our, our website that people can go to and, and we're trying to build it out where we'll have lots of info that they can go and access. Um, we try to lead a, a handful of trips every year. Um, and so I, I would say that would probably be a good start. And the website is thehighpointers.com. Um, and then there's a, there's a club, the high pointers club. Uh, they have a lot of great information that people can go to. Uh, we'll be going and, um, we're, we're trying to get more and more plugged into the community. It's definitely, like I said, it's a, it's a great community. And so they do a convention every year and we're going to go and, and speak at it. We might actually even do one of our episodes uh, where there's a segment at the high pointers convention, but I would say that's a good start. Our website, the highpointers.com and then uh, the high pointers club on your show. You like to ask your guests, what is success? So if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you the same question. What is success to you? Yeah, I, I, we kind of touched on it earlier um, with the Navy SEAL. But for me, uh, it's achieving your goals with life balance. And so what that looks like specifically, like I'm always trying to figure out, you know, having all these ambitious dreams and big things that I want to do. I mean, I, you know, my goal is to climb the highest point in every country in the world. It's not been done before. So that includes climbing K2. It hasn't some, been done before? It has not, no. Wow. Uh, so talking to the future uh, record setter here. <laughs> yeah. High point in the world. I mean, there's some, there's some hard, hard ones out there that are and some that are off limits. Right. And so it's like, how do you do that in a healthy way? And that's why it's like, you know, you ask a Navy SEAL who he's, he's dividing his time between his, his, you know, military family and then his personal family. And that's why many of those guys are married and divorced multiple times. You know, I, like I said, I had a father who was not around much because he was, he was, you know, busy with work and focused on that. And so that's where I think for me, it was really instilled in me, like, what does it look like to have goals, have dreams, but have good balance? Because to me, it's still always got to be, you know, faith, family, friends, and kind of in that order. And then how do you figure out, well, yeah, but climbing mountains is who I am. But I mean, the question is, is it really? Because what if you get too old where you can't? Or what if you got a, a, an injury and you couldn't, right? So we have to have, I think, perspective, learning how to be content with where we're at and having that balance. And so for me, that is that is success. And that's why I always ask those guys, because I'm like, they've obviously been successful, but only from an outside perspective, right? Because if their family's in chaos and everything else behind the scenes is in chaos, is that real success? And so to me, it, it, the life balance has to be um, the key component. Lastly, one thing I like to ask all our guests at the end of each episode is if you have a book, a film, or a documentary recommendation for our listeners, something they can continue with beyond this episode. As far as books that I love, that I always reference and love to, um, to reread, 
is surviving the extremes is really, it's more of a kind of giving the medical and some more scientific background in, in survival and what the body goes through. That's by Dr. Kenneth Kamler. He's a Explorers Club member. Um, Deep Survival is another great one by Lawrence Gonzalez. It's all about, it's also, because I love the science mixed with the story element. Um, that's a great book. And then um, Endurance is like my, one of my all-time go-to favorites, uh, uh, Shackleton's Surviving, you know, out in the Antarctic. And then um, Adrift is another great one. Adrift is uh, um, a guy who a whale hits his boat and then he is surviving for 76 days out at sea and just really having to adapt uh, I mean, you're just reading it like, how in the heck does this guy know how to do these things? Creating a sextant with pencils and, you know, um, so I, I, I always tell people like, I don't really like, uh, you know, all the survival shows out there. Cause I think a lot of times they create these kind of fake scenarios. Uh, but at the same time, when you read those books, you're like, oh, okay, that's what real survival looks like. And often in, you know, a lot of these books touch on it. It's really just having the will to survive and saying, you know, I have, again, with the life balance, like I have more to live for my family. And so whatever that is, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to, to get back to my family. Um, you know, and so, uh, so I love reading kind of that, those types of books. They just, uh, they, they inspire me. To all roundtable listeners, you can watch the High Pointers TV show with the Bargo Brothers on Amazon Prime and PBS. I highly recommend it. It's a really fun and informative show. And thank you, Brandon, for being with us here tonight at the Roundtable. We wish you all the best in your endeavors of exploration, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. We appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. We'll see you next week back here at the Explorer's Roundtable. The Explorer's Roundtable was created to provide a place for explorers to share their tales of discovery and adventure and engage with scholars in fireside discussions relevant to the science, history and literature of exploration. If you have a story worth telling, we invite you to share it with us at explorersroundtable.com.